0: Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Pro Wrestling. It's sports entertainment that mixes colorful characters, dramatic storylines, and body slams. Professional wrestling draws thousands of fans on TV screens and at live events. The sport has been criticized in the past for featuring Native stereotypes, but the growth of Native wrestlers has helped promote some positive characterizations. Coming up this hour, we'll speak with some Native wrestlers about their experiences in the ring. That's coming up right after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Lake County commissioners have officially voted to pull out of an agreement to provide law enforcement services on the Flathead Reservation in northwest Montana. Montana Public Radio's Aaron Bolton reports the state will be required to provide those services later this year.
2: Commissioners unanimously voted to withdraw from the agreement between the state and tribes known as Public Law 280. Lake County agreed in the 1960s to provide law enforcement services on behalf of the state across the Flathead Reservation. But county commissioners say taxpayers can't afford to pay for those services, estimated at $4 million annually. The legislature passed a bill in 2021 requiring the state to reimburse Lake County for those services but appropriated one dollar for that work. The law also gave the county and the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes the ability to withdraw from the agreement. To make Lake County's withdrawal from public law 280 official, Governor Greg Gianforte will have six months to issue a proclamation acknowledging it. The state would then be charged with providing law enforcement services on the reservation. CSKT spokesperson Gwen Langford declined to comment on the county's withdrawal. Governor Gene Forte's office did not respond to a request for comment by deadline. In Columbia Falls, I'm Aaron Bolton.
1: It's been a disappointing week for Alaska Native people waiting to watch Representative Mary Peltola take the oath of office for her first full term in Congress. But until Republicans select a new House speaker, Peltola and other House members cannot be sworn in. Peltola says the Republican stalemate is a sign of the times where partisan politics has poisoned government from school boards to city councils. I think at the local level, they're not designed to be partisan, but the partisanship has really crept down to every level. And it's on steroids in Washington, D.C. It's hard to go to committees and talk about the issue at hand because the conversation quickly turns to partisan bickering. Peltola, who's a Democrat, campaigned for her Alaska congressional seat on her abilities to work across the aisle, which she credits to being brought up in the Yupik culture, which discourages conflict and encourages cooperation. Peltola says she'll try to hold on to those values, but it won't be easy.
0: She needs to take advantage of the novelty of her being a, a Yupik woman, Using that position to get their attention on strategic issues that she's working on.
1: That's Jim LaBelle's advice. LaBelle is a retired Alaska Native Studies and History professor at the University of Alaska Anchorage. He believes Peltola is in a position to set a powerful example for the country.
0: One
3: person can make a difference. And sometimes you don't know who that's going to be or when that's going to happen. But when we are rooted in our values, uh, wanting to do good for our fellow man, yeah, it could be just that congruence of time and
0: space that Mary is at, that could be that one person.
1: For now, Peltola is the one person who is Alaska's lone vote in the House. She became the first Alaska native to serve in Congress after she won a special election last year to fill out the remainder of the late Congressman Don Young's term. On Thursday, President Biden signed bills into law to restore tribal stewardship of federal lands and ensure federal land management laws respect tribal sovereignty. The bills collectively place about 3,500 acres of land previously owned by the U.S. Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management into trust for the benefit of two tribal governments in California, the Agua Caliente Band of Cahuilla Indians and the Karuk tribe. Three bills involving tribal water rights in Arizona were also signed. Antonia Gonzalez.
4: National Native News is produced by Kawanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
5: Support by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, working to ensure tribal colleges and universities are included in our higher education system. Information on 37 tribal colleges and universities at AIHEC.org. A historical master trauma class taught by Dr. Ruby Gibson and staff provides tuition-free online training to tribal members who are therapists, counselors, social workers, and traditional healers. Enrollment deadline is March 24, 2023 at freedomlodge.org, who
4: support this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.
0: this is native america calling i'm sean spruce
4: this is the moment we've all been waiting for for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world
5: ladies and gentlemen
4: let's get ready to
0: That was famed ringside announcer Michael Buffer getting a crowded arena riled up. And he's helping us set the stage for today's topic, professional wrestling. Pro wrestling is a sport filled with iconic characters, storylines, and plenty of violence. In the 1980s, professional wrestling popularity exploded with the emergence of the World Wrestling Federation. It continues to have legions of fans. The sport has a long tradition of non-Native people performing as Indian characters to play up stereotypes. But more recently, Native wrestlers are also making their mark. They include Choctaw Chickasaw wrestler Wahoo McDaniel, the Chickasaw tag team the Briscoe Brothers, and Lumbee WWE star Tatanka. Today on our show, we'll speak with some Native professional wrestlers about their careers and memorable ringside experiences. But we also want to hear from our listeners. Are you a wrestling fan? Do you have a favorite native pro wrestler? Join our conversation, one 800 996 2848 That's the number to call. Or post on our social media. Our Twitter handle is 1-800-99 Native. Joining us first from Las Vegas, Nevada is Kyle Hawk. He is professional wrestler. He's a professional wrestler and an actor. He is Hopi, Laguna Pueblo, and Lakota. Kyle, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, how's it going?
0: Doing great, Kyle. Doing great. Uh, Well, let's start by talking about what first turned you on to the sport of pro wrestling. How old were
3: you? I would think I believe I was around eight or nine. I grew up in the Laguna Reservation, watching it, Saturday Night's main event with my family and stuff. And then just as a kid, I was very drawn to it. Watched the Attitude Era in WWE. I thought that was a good era in professional wrestling because everything was, you know, Raw as war, they're competing against WCW, and uh, I think competition's a good thing for everyone, so.
0: Now, when did you actually become a wrestler yourself?
3: After I graduated high school, I found a wrestling school in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they were called uh, DWO, Destiny Wrestling Organization, and got my training from uh, Adam Montoya, or Mosh Fit Mike, Along with some other people, um, and just they taught me the basics, showing me how to run ropes, showing me how to properly fall, how to properly roll, and uh, just made me, you know, perfect the basics. And uh, once I once I did that, then they started taking me on the road with them, showing me how it is on the road to wrestle, and to um, to uh, communicate, and to um, Connect, make their connections to fellow other fellow organizations, and you know different states and different countries and stuff like
0: that. Kyle, about how long did that take then, from the time you entered that wrestling school in Albuquerque until you were out on the road
3: uh,
0: wrestling in main events?
3: It took me about, I want to say, almost nine months to a year. Um, Yeah, around nine months to a year is when I first started traveling.
0: Now, you uh, you are Kyle Hawk, and you are, uh, you know, you are proudly, proudly representing your Native heritage in the ring. Can you tell us about the outfit you wear?
3: Yes. Um, so I go by the Savage Kyle Hawk. I know uh, Savage has a, <laughs> you know, mixed kind of meaning towards our people and stuff like that. But to me, Savage represents fear. Savage re- represents um, cool, you know, like uh, to quote Roddy Piper, I was savage before savage was cool. That's what the people, um, the colonizers, called us back in the day. It's even written in the Declaration of Indian in the Declaration of Independence. Merciless Indian savages. They feared us, and you know, I I don't take shame in that. I don't take shame in you know a word that is supposed to be demeaning to us. To me, it, it, I think it's it's uplifting. It's they fear us because uh, in this day and age, you know, they forgot us. Um, we, we don't exist, and we do exist. We're still here. We're the first ones here, and forever will be here. We're never going away. So um, I wear, I wear, I represent. I wear. Uh, I'm a, I was uh, back in the high school days. I used to wear like leather coats, like those leather spikes, uh, spike uh, dirt, dirt, uh, dirt bike coats or sports coats uh, that you know bikers wear or whatever. So I always want to wear that, and you know. I always wanted to do a Native American gimmick. I always wanted to represent my heritage. Um, so, over the years that I evolved, I went from a hoodie to like drawing paint and stuff on it, like designs and and uh, weird emblems and stuff like that. I'd go by the moniker, which used to be Bird of Prey, and um, you know, cut the sleeves off because I used to idolize uh, AJ Styles was one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, and he always wore a hoodie that was sleeveless and he'd come out and I thought he looked cool. So I wanted to do that. But just put more native, you know, modern stuff on it. And then the more I evolved, the more I became, you know, who I am today. It just, just I wanted to add different things to it. So I wanted to add uh, um, bead, beadwork to my jacket, you know, because beadwork is very, very uh, good medicine for us. It's very um, therapeutic. So I wanted to have um armbands on my on my jacket, because uh, I was going long sleeve. And uh Assassin's Creed Three, uh, the one with Connor inspired me to do that because he had like wore, um, armbands on his on his coat, on his assassin gear. So I thought that was cool.
0: The video so game character. It, like,
3: yeah. Cool. And so I did that and I put those on and I thought those were cool and I got a lot of good feedback with that. And then um, I was watching Dances with Wolves one day, and I noticed that they had breastplate bones from Buffalo. And I was like, man, those are cool. So I, like, asked my family, like, why do they wear those? And they're like, well, it's, you know, to protect from getting pierced by armors or warriors would wear them whenever they would go on war parties. And I was like, well, wrestling's kind of like going to war. And being a fellow Native American vet veteran for the U.S. Army, I've been to war, so... I got to, I was like, how do I get these? And I got to meet someone here in Vegas. Um, uh, Stephanie is her name. Shout out to her. Uh, she makes very good, beautiful jewelry and designs and stuff. And I came up with a concept to her and she says, yeah, I think we could do this. So <clears throat> I gave her the idea of what I want on the front of my jacket, which were the bone plates, mm-hmm. uh, the bone breastplates. And then she designed them and she blessed them. Cause she's native American from, uh, I believe the Ute tribe in Utah. And, uh, and it came out cool. And I had my jacket, I looked at it, and I was like, this is, this is what I was, what I wanted. This is what I need to become. And, um, NTVS or Natives, uh, it's a local clothing brand in, um, Oklahoma. Shout out to them. They make, uh, kind of like iconic Native American art, uh, with like uh, just different logos and stuff with native american twist to them uh it's pretty cool they're very awesome um they had a patch and it said land not for sale so i was like i want to put that on the back of my jacket so i bought it put that on the back of my jacket and then you know it just came it just came all together and it was just pretty cool and again like growing up doing wrestling having my experience in it you know it is the, the very typical stereotype of uh Hollywood native. Uh-huh. And well, by, ca- by that, I'll oh, go ahead. Well, I'm
0: sorry. So um, you're from Laguna. Did you go to Laguna Acoma High School?
3: Uh, no, I grew up in Albuquerque.
0: Oh, you grew up in Albuquerque. Okay, all
3: right. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just curious,
0: like like back home at Laguna, and um, I mean, what do people think? Uh, do they follow your career and, and come watch you wrestle?
3: Yeah, I have a few people. um uh, that come watch me and stuff like that. My family comes and stuff. Uh, I have a few friends that are still in out Al- in Laguna, and they come out whenever I wrestle in Albuquerque. They come check me out or check out my YouTube clips and stuff like that. My mom's a very big fan, so she's always sharing my stuff. Now
0: I know you even- travel a lot. She never. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, travel about- quite a bit. Yeah, because I was watching a a video. uh, You were wrestling in Silva, North Carolina, which is just off the Eastern Band Cherokee Reservation. That looked like a really cool event.
3: Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, There's a few Native Americans there, and it was really cool to meet them and learn about them and talk to them about their lives and stuff like that. That's what I love about wrestling, because I can connect with different tribes, and I think that's what wrestling does. It, It brings us together from, you know, even though we're different tribes, different clans, we're still the same people, you know, we're all one.
0: one. Now, how long have you been in Vegas?
3: Uh, For four years now, I believe. Four years.
0: And what are some other communities that that you've been to other states? Where all have you been traveling and wrestling?
3: I've been to Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, Utah, California, uh, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, Connecticut, Maryland, um, Mississippi, man, I've been pretty much all over almost, I think.
0: And do a lot of native fans come out to your matches?
3: Um, if I'm, if I come repeatedly, yes. Uh, Oklahoma is a big territory for native Americans. So of course they always come, uh, which is awesome. But usually if I'm, Coming back, you know, like the first time they might miss me, but the second time they're definitely there. Okay. So it's pretty cool.
0: Well, Kyle, I also want to ask you. I mean, are you are you a good guy? Are you a bad guy? Are you a heel? What what's your uh, your demeanor with your fans?
3: It just depends. Uh, depends if they can, uh, you know, if they accept me or not. If they not, then screw them. You know, they're just colonized, <laughs> ignorant people, and uh, I don't have time for that. You know, they're over here. They're over here telling you know. Oh, I, you don't belong here. And it's like, yeah, I do. You know, I'm, I'm the first one here. You, you're ignorant. Hell All right. Fan, you know, like, okay.
0: All right. We're, we're going to talk more. We're going to talk more with Kyle about this. I want to learn more about how he connects with his fans. But we do have to take a short break here, folks. We're talking pro wrestling. We've got Kyle Hawk on the line and we've got a couple of other wrestlers as well on our show. Phone number is 1-800-996-2848. If you have a question, we'll be right back. One of the benefits of college is making lifelong connections. For some Native students, fraternities and sororities offer a social and even cultural support structure that gives their studies and their professional future a boost. We'll talk about the intersection of Greek life and Native academics on the next Native America Calling.
4: My precious relatives, don't miss your Medicaid renewal letter. Make sure you get this renewal letter so that you're not left out in the cold. Check that your local Indian health care provider or state Medicaid office has your current mailing address. For more information, talk to your local health care provider or visit Medicaid.gov slash unwinding a message from the centers for Medicare and Medicaid services.
0: Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're speaking with professional native wrestlers. We also want to hear from any pro wrestling fans today. Who are some native wrestlers you've enjoyed watching over the years? What do you like about the sport? Have you ever been to a live professional wrestling event? Join the conversation at 1 800 996 2848. And we've got Kyle Hawk on the line right now. Kyle, before break, I, I really enjoyed listening to you talk about your kind of take-it-or-leave-it approach with your fans, and this is who I am, and, and you love me or not, I'm just here to stay. And uh, But it sounds like uh, you've taken a, a fair amount of racism in the ring at times.
3: Oh, definitely. Uh, I've had fans tell me, you know, uh, go back to where you came from, and I'm like, yo, I'm from here. You guys should go back to where you come from. Like, <laughs> you guys are European, so you're not from here. And I think it's funny when would they say that.
0: Well, is it, I, I mean, do you sense a, a real hostility from it, or is it all just kind of part of the the emotion and the excitement, the entertainment value of the sport? What's your take on that?
3: Well, that's, that's the cool part about wrestling. Like, I can tell my story, um, and it's the story that I'm telling, and they don't like it, so therefore that's how they perceived. You know, I can really get under people's skins, and, you know, mess with their emotions to the point where they don't like it. They don't want me there. They don't want me to be around. They really hate me, you know, and and that's that's the key to make wrestling real. Because wrestling is real. Wrestling's wrestling's to me, you know, it's not it's not a uh to use the term fake. It's not. It's real drama, real action, real live stunts. It's just, you know, telling stories and storytelling and that's what natives are good at. And for me to be able to get in front of a crowd and have them hate me and boo me and you know don't want nothing to do with me and make the other guy you know look like the biggest action good guy ever you know that's that's the, my job that's what I'm supposed to do whereas if the table was turned you know I'm the, the biggest greatest hero and you know I'm happy to be Native American and you know they're like really re- behind me and you know it just it just depends on who you're working with and the chemistry you have but more importantly it's how you connect with the crowd how you connect with that's that's what lacks today in pro wrestling i think there's no there's no storytelling people are not people are wrestling for the boys in the back rather than wrestling for the people that paid money to come see us if that makes sense
0: it makes a lot of sense yeah it really does people wrestling for the boys in the back and yeah. Because showmanship is just such a huge part of it, I imagine. And, Kyle, we've got a caller on the line right now, Tyler, listening in Crown Point, New Mexico, on station KZCY. Tyler, you're on the air. Hey,
6: how's it going, guys? Um, I've been following wrestling for a while, and, you know, i um... Was it the Chief Wahoo McDaniel days and coming into seeing Tatanka wrestling as well? I'm not sure if you had like had a title match, but my question is, you know, um, how do guys
0: um, get the opportunity to get a title match? That's what I was going to ask Mr. Hawkner. Sure. Kyle, can you respond?
3: Uh, Hey, Tyler, just want to say what's up. Uh, I hope you're having a good day. Uh, Just so you know, I am related to Tatanka. He is Lakota. He got initiated into our tribe. So, therefore, he is my uncle by uh, clan. Um, you have to earn your way, man. It's just like how you know. It's like in any other sport. You have to, like, win, just have a bunch of wins and, you know, get the crowd behind you. Um, it, it depends on the promoter, honestly. It depends on who who wants to push uh, the person who wants to go against their champion, you know. Or if their champions, you know, already had their run, they got to find something new, something fresh. So, You always got to keep evolving as a wrestler. You always got to keep the crowd entertained. The more you have the crowd, the more you have the people behind you, the more the opportunities will come and the more titles or matches or whatever you want to get, uh, will come.
0: All right. Well, thanks for that reply. That was Tyler with a question listening in Crown Point, New Mexico. We've got another caller, Gary. He's listening on station KPBX in Spokane, Washington. Gary, you are on native America calling.
4: Well, thank you it's It's great to be here. Um, I've got a little bit different perspective here. My daughter is I, I'm Northern Cheyenne, and my daughter, while she was in college, was invited to go work out at a gym. Well, it turned out that the gym that she was invited to, was a Lucha Libre gym, Lucha Volcanica in, uh, in, um, in, on the other side of the state, out on the western side of the state. And that evolved into a profession for her, and she wrestled in Arena Mexico um, as Avispa Dorado. And, um, it's very, very closely related to American wrestling, but a little different perspective. It's, it's all about storytelling, good versus evil. And, um, it's really kind of interesting to listen to an American pro wrestler and have a Mexican pro wrestler in my family.
0: (laughs) Yeah, really interesting, interesting, uh call there appreciate you uh up there in Spokane and uh daughter wrestled uh down in Mexico let's go ahead and bring in another one of our guests now joining us from Meridian Oklahoma is Victoria Otis aka Princess Victoria she is a wrestling booking agent and is a former professional wrestler she is Samish Vicky welcome to the show
7: thank you how are you guys doing today
0: we are doing great. We're really having a good time talking pro wrestling here. We just heard from Gary up in Spokane. Uh, his daughter was a wrestler, wrestled down in Mexico. Uh, how long were you a wrestler?
7: Um, actually, uh, about four and a half years. Uh, my, uh, my career, unfortunately, was cut short uh, due to a broken neck that I received in the ring.
0: Oh, my um, gosh.
7: Well, and it goes back to what Kyle said. You know, if wrestling is fake, then how did my neck get broke? You know, um, I've had several injuries in the ring—a broken collarbone, multiple sprains—and uh, you just—it's it, just—it—it—it uh, it, it does aggravate me when people uh, use the word fake.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: You know, I understand. Uh, to be to be a wrestler you've got to be a ballerina, a gymnast, a psychologist, a wrestler and a street fighter. Now and that's called the whole package and on top of that you've got to be able to run your mouth. You know, <laughs> you you've got to get up on in an interview and you've got to catch those people people's attention so that they stop and listen to what you're saying.
0: Well, Vicki, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, interrupt briefly here, because uh, let's go ahead and play some some tape of uh, an exchange that uh, you had with a, another wrestler. It's a small part of a match from November 1983. I believe this might be in Texas. This is about between you, Princess Victoria, and another wrestler by the name of Judy Martin.
3: Another flying chop across the head. Here comes the princess diving on top. One, two. And not enough for three. Good work by Judy Martin, saving herself there. Really a couple of accomplished young ladies driving that knee in. Princess just opening a tremendous attack on Judy Martin into the corner, buckling, up again. Martin with a great recovery, firing the Princess all the way to the center of the ring. When you think one has the advantage, the other one comes fighting back. And off and running Princess Victoria underneath. Nice move. Great shot, one, two, three. The of Canada is the winner. The match, Princess Victoria.
0: Wow. Vicky, do you remember that match?
7: Uh, I've had several matches against Judy Martin. Um, so to say that I remember that specific one, no, but I do remember she was a very tough opponent, a very good wrestler. Uh-huh. And uh, later on, after I broke my neck and was no longer in wrestling, her, her and I are very close friends today. Um, well.
0: Yeah, you know, I just want to ask you, I mean, what is it like to be there in the ring, the crowd just amped up, everybody calling your name, uh, when the announcer introduces you or when you're declared the winner? That must just be some kind of
7: rush. Oh, it is. That's, that's And that's how uh, it, it, it's addictive. You know, walking out to the ring and, and watching the people either hate you or love you getting in the ring, hearing them chant your name, you know, or booing you, whatever it's, it's addicting. And, uh, I wish that one side of me wishes I hadn't broke my neck and the others glad I did, because if I hadn't broke my neck, I probably would have gone on to uh, do battle with Wendy Richter for the women's title.
0: Mm. Wow. Now, Victoria, I mean, going back to 1983, that's a few years ago, and um, I know you came across some famous native wrestlers back in the day, Wahoo McDaniel. What was it like back in, in those days for native wrestlers in the sport?
7: Well, it depends on which side of the ring you were on, whether you were a good guy or a bad guy. Um I was, it, it, it. it's a funny thing, in the United States, I was, you know, always the good guy, but when I went out of country to places like Japan, Puerto Rico, Santo Domingo, uh, people didn't like me there, you know, and at the time that I did that traveling, uh, Wendy Richter was one of my main opponents, and... When I first walked out in the ring in Puerto Rico, I had never been booed before. Mm-hmm. And it was really a strange feeling. And it, it changes your whole attitude as to how you're going to wrestle once that happens.
0: Vicki, did you experience you know, the same type I of race? I'm sorry, I just want to ask you did, you, did you experience the same kind of racism that we heard Kyle describe earlier?
7: Mm, out of country, yeah. I, I've been called squaw. I've been told, just like Kyle, you know, go back to where you came from. Okay, so you want me to go back to Washington? (laughs) Really? (laughs) You know, do you not have a clue that, like he says, you're European. You're not from here. Your ancestors came here to, you know, avoid persecution uh, for their religious beliefs, and now you're persecuting me. Because I'm Indian and I'm native to this land that you stole. And a lot of time, that shuts people right down. That'll shut them up in a heartbeat.
0: I imagine. I imagine. Let's take another caller. Gerald listening on station W, excuse me, KWSO in Warm Springs, Oregon. Gerald, hello. Hey, how's it going? We're doing great, Gerald. Well, hello,
6: everybody. Uh, You know, I grew up in the 70s. And they started out with Dutch Savage and Jimmy Smoak was the first Indian I knew of, and he was Apache. Or not. Anyway, there was an Apache, and a, uh, at first I was criticized because I, I watched it, because they talked about being faith fake. But when I went to Madras to my high school, and then they showed up here right on the reservation. They showed, and we seen them, and you know they, they they bled. They literally got cuts and bruises and everything. So, to me, um, I watched it. I liked it. It's good entertainment, and uh, and I, I that and it started out with Portland Portland wrestling out of Portland Oregon.
0: Portland Oregon. Gerald, thank you for that call. You mentioned Jimmy Snuka. Um, Jimmy Snuka was a Pacific Islander wrestler back in the 80s. I remember him as a kid. Uh, he was a pretty big name back in the day. And, uh, Victoria, as I understand it, you've done some wrestling up there in the Pacific Northwest. And just from what I'm hearing here, uh, the sport just doesn't sound maybe quite as glamorous as it appears on TV sometimes.
7: Uh, this It's the same way with any uh athlete or entertainer, um, you know, you, you travel, you're on the road. Back in my day, I was on the road seven days a week. If we got a day off, it was, you know, a blessing because we, we were all exhausted and you didn't go out and party or anything else. You just went to your room to be left alone. Uh, you were never at home. Uh, in fact, I can remember one time distinctly i was on the road for nine months and never saw my front door wow. uh and i like you said i I came up with uh pacific northwest re- wrestling with sandy Barr as my trainer and i was up there i i got started in what i call the heyday of wrestling which was in the late 70s early 80s and i was blessed to uh come up in the business with people like jay youngblood uh Buddy Rose, uh, Roddy Piper, Ed Wyskowski, uh Lord, uh, Eric Embry, uh, let's see, who else? Uh, there were so many, because a lot of the wrestlers back in my day got their start in the Pacific Northwest before they went on to the WWE or to any other uh, territory. Uh, we were kind of, I guess we were kind of a training ground. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I feel blessed coming up in the days that I did because I go into the dressing rooms now and I watch matches now. And like Kyle said, they're not wrestling for the people anymore. And a rule back in the day in my day was it didn't matter if there were 5,000 people or five people. You gave those people the same match with, with the same intensity. Whether it was five or five thousand, and uh, today it's—I I go into dressing rooms and I hear these kids talking, and they're going over, you know, things for an hour, two hours, and it's—I hear, well, I've got to get my this in, and I've got to get my that in. No, it's not about you.
2: Uh huh. It's about yeah, that sorry.
7: guy.
0: I'm sorry, just that really quick. We're, we're, we're going to have to take a break here if you can about another minute, but I wanted to ask you, what was the pay like back then when you were wrestling in the 80s? Uh,
7: My best year, I think, was about
0: $10,000. $10,000, and that was for, I mean, yes. that sounds like a full-time job, traveling and everything, and that's all you... W-
7: oh, yeah. Yeah, wrestlers, people who work an eight-hour-a-day uh, shift and just have no clue as to... In, The closest thing I can compare the wrestling uh, life to is like a a long-haul trucker. You're always on the road. You're always, you know, you come home, you might rest a day, then you're back out on the road for another month, two months, three months. Uh, That's why very few wrestlers own homes. There's no sense in buying a house if you're not going to be there and you may be going to another territory in three or four years or less. So there's, you know, there's just no sense in putting down, as I call it, roots.
0: All righty. We're listening to Victoria Otis, Vicky, a.k.a. Princess Victoria, pro wrestler. We'll be right back.
5: This month and every month, remember, one in three Native American adults have high blood pressure, Check it at your nearest community health center. If the numbers are above 120 over 80, talk to a health professional. Native community well-being is very important. You can take action by visiting heart.org slash HBPControl. This support provided in partnership with HHS OMH and HRSA under cooperative agreements CPIMP 211227 and CPIMP 211228.
0: You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking pro wrestling and taking calls. That number to share your comments about pro wrestling. 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99NATIVE. Or you can post a comment on our Facebook or Twitter pages. Twitter handle one eight zero zero nine nine 99 native Right now, we're going to hear an excerpt from a project produced as part of the Indigify Native Artist Series, which is a podcast featuring Indigenous artists and performers. In this excerpt, we hear from Lane Reinhart. He's Lingit in Taos Pueblo and practices traditional Chilcat weaving. He says the art form helped him come to grips with his own identity. Here he is talking with podcast host Chandra Safran.
1: What compels us to create the things we make? For Lane, they describe the strands of healing, creative instinct, and an ancestral pull that felt instantly familiar.
8: Just kind of reaching into the art form of, of weaving has been Um, pretty instrumental to like my own healing journey um, as far as reclaiming and saying, you know, this is who I am, you know, what I practice, you know, the people I associate with, you know, through that, the the countless women that have kind of like helped me along this journey of like I can do this, even even in those moments where there may be like self-doubt and you're kind of, you know, you're kind of grasping because, you know, as many mentors as you have, there'll be situations in which You kind of just have to put it out there to the universe to help you get through something. And it's like, because they may not be sitting next to you all the time. So you kind of have to reach into that, that wellspring of knowledge that's out there. And I think for a lot of Native people, there is almost this ability to tap into sort of some sort of ancestral pathway. I've heard you speak really beautifully about in the practice of weaving, essentially feeling like you are part of this long tradition and sort of being present with your ancestors at times. Right. And, you know, lineage is such an interesting, I think, concept because I don't think it's not just, you know, genetic, I think in like X, you know, XYZ, you know what I mean? It may be that, you know, I have a teacher, you know, that that taught me one thing and then a teacher that taught me another. And then, you know, so so that that's a concept of lineage, too. But I don't know. I think it's somewhere out there that it's like, OK, all of our ancestors like had some sort of craft or some sort of skill that they had, whether it was like weaving baskets or chill robes or any of those types of things. It's like, you know, the, the, that kind of memory lives on. So as much as there might be like this trauma, that's this, you know, intergenerational trauma, there's also this other part of it where there's these like gifts that were given. And so for me, that's part of been that's part of like my journey towards um really embracing my identity as a person.
0: That was an excerpt from the Indigify Native Artist Series. You can find the full podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Let's get back to our pro wrestling conversation. We've got another guest on the line now. He's in Bismarck, North Dakota. His name is Eric Bearspaw, a.k.a. Chief Littlefoot. He is a traditional dancer, musician, and professional wrestler. He is Stony Nakota. Eric, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great. Going great, uh, Chief Littlefoot. That's a catchy ring name. How'd you come up with it?
9: Uh, well, you know when we first start off, like before before we do it, like I want to say in my language, in my Nakota language, and I want to say good day, everybody. Like a good afternoon. Is we say, I'm boss. no, dokinyo miwo." Like you know, it's like we say good day how are you guys doing today?
0: <laughs> Thank so, you for that introduction, Eric. Appreciate it.
9: Yeah. Well, uh, I start off with, uh, well, when I was in, um, when I was in with micro wrestling and um, back in um, January of like last year, when I started off with micro wrestling and I was like, oh, this guy, Jack, uh, Jack Deller was uh, telling me, you know, like, like he was calling me at least a couple of times. Like, uh like it like being being a native american little person like i don't want to say the m word but it's a little native american person like say they got like these other wrestlers that they they got in here um at first you know i i of squirmed down watching youtube cuz i was a real big wrestling wrestling fan of here today, you know, until The Undertaker lost his streak and I kind of died off of watching WWE because The Undertaker was my idol, Mark Calloway. You know, um AKA The Undertaker, the Feed On. It was my idol back then. Like I watched him wrestle ever since I was a kid and growing up. And I kind of like, like, every time when we, I always, I always ripped my, I always give myself a black shirt and and I cut, I cut like, kind of like zigzags off my black shirt and I have a, like a real big black uh, leather jacket and like I was like the mini undertaker and, you know, I was just, <laughs> uh, no, I was just, I was just uh, wrestling with my nephews on a mattress and, you know, like I, like they, they, they took the, they took the fall for me and I took, and I picked them up over my shoulders even though they're like 200 pounds or there are big guys here. I ended up um taking up all my soldier and and then they kinda like they kinda like locked in and I kinda like watched so much wrestling back then, like like uh I did the Tombstone Pile Driver on, on my nephews and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we kinda like they that they kind of put this out on 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 um like say that they put it on on um like on a broadcast, like like this, like this boy kill kill him with a clothesline. Like they said, don't try this at home. You know, but we like back then before they put that out, we still like we we I tombstone them and so slam them, and, <laughs> and that's when I start learning the Undertaker's and Swoozers and stuff and.
0: Now, Eric, I mean, were you? I mean, were you in a ring in, in these early days, or were you just kind of doing this at home? I can't really tell. Um, were you know wrestling your your nephews? I mean, it sounds like maybe you just kind of started learning this stuff on your own—the moves and and the techniques.
9: Well, I like I was like yeah, I was like before I start off with my wrestling, I was just uh, I was just like watching the Undertaker and the slam and stuff like that and. Um, okay.
0: Did After. you go to a wrestling school similar to what Kyle described?
9: Well, I went to. Uh, I went to. Uh, I got. I got like a couple like little, little train like little, little spots from here and there from, uh, from the late uh, Bruce Hart. Uh, no, not not late Bruce Hart. I mean he's still alive. Uh, Bruce Hart and uh, late Smith Hart. Uh, Smith Hart was the. Uh, Heart Legacy, those guys were, those guys, they teach me how to do the headlock, like the the headlock takedown, and that's all I've been learning, and learning to do a lockup, and, but, and after, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was, uh, like, I was, like, taking training here and there, like, I was, like, a ringside. For this guy named Derek uh, Starlight, he was doing like these wrestling shows back up in Canada, and I was just the bad guy, and I was just dressed in a leather coat, and while the back then they used to call me Little Buffalo back then, Little Buffalo, and and I was like, okay, I was like, I'm because I call myself Little Buffalo before somebody claims me as Chief Littlefoot, so you know, I just like. I just took that as a little Buffalo and
8: uh-huh.
9: I started doing, doing, start doing that. And I was going to do the Buffalo drop, like for the top rope, but
0: <laughs> the Buffalo
9: buffalo drops. jump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> buffalo jump or whatever they call. It. Yeah. But, and you know, I'll just really, and you know, I'll just like, i was just like doing that. And you know, I kind of, I kind of like squirt off and I started doing my powwows, my traditional dancing and, I've been doing, I've been doing this for a very long time, like really long time, like centuries, ever since I was just like in Tiny Tots and, and when I was in junior boys, you know, we kind of quit there for a little bit for like, these like six or 10 years mm-hmm. from now and I back up.
0: Eric, do you incorporate, I'm sorry, do you incorporate uh, some powwow dance uh, into your ring, into your ring events?
9: uh powwow Powell that's um no <clears throat> i just uh like
3: well we're gonna we're gonna uh
9: be- before we i'll i'll take you through there like i'm just telling the stories like what i've been doing and
0: okay like after
9: i'm done my powwows and i see my house grooming down and watching micro wrestling i thought it's micro wrestling i was trying to look for these micro wrestling dwarfism and they're like oh look it's dwarf wrestling and I kind of thought about that, and then I seen micro Wrestling, and then I asked this guy, his name is uh, Ryan. They call him Flying Ryan. And I was asking him, and, you know, one of these days, I want to kick you guys' in butt. I want to come back. I want to come in that ring. I want to come in that ring and kick you guys' in butt. Like, where, where, where do I start? <laughs> like, I was, like, really? I was really mistaken, because I see them all fighting, and 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 (laughs) I I got too excited there and he said, sell it out, man, sell it out but you got to talk to my boss, Jack and I talked to Jack Deller and I talked to him and he's like are you a Native American? I was like yeah, I'm a Native American, I'm I'm full blood, you know, I have the long hair and I speak the language, the N dialect and you know, and he's like, well, you know what? I want to fly it down here to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee and you could come down here, and I was like, "Oh man, really? Yeah, you could. You could do a lot of good shows. You could get in the ring and train. Well, how much is that going to be? No, it's not going to cost you, bro. It's not going to cost you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, tr- a free training. And you know, and kind of. I got scared of flying. I got scared of flying. I'm <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> seriously, because I, I watched. I watched. I want to be honest with you, it's straight up with you. I watched the La Bamba, where Richard Valens <laughs> flying the airplane and crashed. And, oh, and I'm just like really, really scared. And okay, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna die. I don't wanna die, man. I, I, and I just told, I told Jack, nah, there's no, way I can't make it. I can't make it. Oh man, you don't need to be scared of these little guys. So I was like, no, I'm not scared of them. It's just that, uh, just that uh, scared to fly. How about you just buy <laughs> me a bus ticket to come there? Yeah, man, that's gonna be taking forever. I was like, oh man, um, I, I, like other than that, I can't, I can't fly can't fly and you know until
0: <laughs> so did you make it down to did you take a bus down to pigeon Forge, tennessee then eric um uh, no i was
9: like okay until january 2022 it hit and then i called him up hey jack yeah what's up and i was like oh uh well you know i am just gonna well if i do die on a plane i do die on a plane give me a bus ticket so i can come down there are you for real yeah i am for real okay 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 i'll work on i'll work on it and then here he you he start working on the plane and you know i started i started on a plane and then he tells me wow well, um well i want to I'm gonna get you i'm going to get you the dates to get slide down so i was like okay and i told jack like you know I, I'm I'm bored, you know, I, I, I want to get out of here and I want to come check out the wrestling and see how this goes. And, and I tell us, man, you got me that date. And, you know, I was there, I was down there and all of a sudden, oh, there you are. I was, Yeah, here you are. Here's your Native American right here. Oh, man. You got your, you got your, you got your, out, you got your outfit and stuff. I was like, dude, those outfits, you know. Those outfits that I'm wearing uh, in a powwow circuit, you know, I respect that. And I don't want to use that in my wrestling gimmick just to be mm-hmm. respectful. And as I speak, and as I say, you know, if you're going to be wanting to wear something like my my powwow regalia on the wrestling ring, that ain't going to happen, 100%. That ain't going to happen. Because that's, that's, that's my family tree, and that's my family... That's my family design right there. I don't want to disrespect my culture and disrespect everything. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that, but I, I thought, well, you know, we could just go into the store, get some brown pants, put marker or put stripes on my pants. And then, you know, we, we did that and we got that. Nah, we went to. Okay.
0: Okay. Eric, I'm sorry. We, we do have another caller on the line. We de- definitely want to get one more call in. We've got Edmund listening on K-U-Y-I on the Hopi Reservation in Arizona. Edmund, hello. Hi, good morning. It's
10: actually Edmund, but um, that's fine. Uh, good morning. Um, yeah, i just like to say uh, how when we were kids, we used to watch wrestling, and uh, it kind of made a good impact for us, you know, um, being Native American kids on the reservation because it's a tough life out here. And that kind of toughened us out uh, and, you know, brought in that... Uh, toughness to make us more stronger um because i remember we would you know wrestle outside in the dirt and uh we'd actually make little title belts out of um the roofing um and we used to uh we used to use that as our, our as our uh, belt you know that we would win a title belt and it used to be fun and um like it did a good impact for us you know uh-huh. helped us uh become tough um, because when you're out there and you get hurt, you, you know, as a young kid, you, you don't um, really realize that you're hurt when you're energized and when you're doing that. And then so it helped build us, you know, to get courage and then help us to also, you know, get to know each other real well, even though we, you know, wrestled against each other as kids. And it okay. was pretty fun. So right. that was uh what I'd like to say. And, you know, it was good, good, good good way of uh you know becoming friends and, and making new, uh new new acquaintances with each other in
0: the village edmund edmund thank you I, i'm sorry i gotta cut you short we are gonna have to wrap up the show here in just a moment appreciate the call though and i want to end uh with kyle hawk again and kyle this has been a really fun conversation listening to you and the other wrestlers talk about uh your sport uh what do you have planned coming up in 2023 we got about another 30 seconds before we got to wrap the show up
3: Uh, I plan to make more money, plan to represent Native America and our culture, and I plan to go to different states and travel to different places, so I'm hoping that will happen. Well, I'd
0: like to thank our three guests today, Kyle Hawk, Eric Bearspaw, and Victoria Otis for stories and Native insights from the world of professional wrestling. Join us again next week for more conversations about Indigenous issues and topics. Our executive producer is Art Hughes. Our producers are Andy Murphy and Sol Traverso. Marino Spencer is the engineer. Show McPollin is the digital producer. Nola Daves-Moses is the distribution director. Bob Peterson is the network manager for Native Voice One. Clifton Chadwick is our national underwriting sales director. Antonia Gonzalez is the anchor for National Native News. Charles Sather is our chief operations officer. The president and CEO of Kewanik Broadcast Corporation is Jacqueline Salee. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. We'll talk again soon.
1: If you or someone you know is feeling sad, hopeless, or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, call, text, or chat,
7: 988. 988 is a new three-digit dialing code for 24-7 emotional, mental, or substance misuse support. 988 connects you to free confidential support. You are not alone in a crisis. Just call, text, or chat, 988.
9: For more information, visit 988.nm.org. Keshay. El liston Medicaid, we know letter on do a awe a the of State Medicaid office and centers for